NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Pit Pass IndyCar, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass IndyCar is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I covered my first race on the inaugural Michigan 500 as a sports intern for the Toledo Blade way back in 1981. Since that time, I've been able to build a tremendous relationship with the drivers, mechanics, engineers, team owners, and series officials in both IndyCar and NASCAR. I've had the opportunity to cover races for brands like National Speedsport News, NBCSports.com, Sports Illustrated, FoxSports.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, and SpeedSport. Additionally, for the past 12 years, I've been part of national radio shows on ESPN Radio and Fox Sports Radio, as well as television with Fox 59 in Indianapolis as their racing analyst. But this show isn't about me. It's about the star drivers and the daring heroes of IndyCar. So let's drop the green flag on this inaugural episode, which is devoted to Takuma Sato's second Indianapolis 500 victory last August. The 44-year-old Sato is one of the most exciting drivers in IndyCar. His motto is, no attack, no chance. After seven seasons in Formula One, Sato joined IndyCar in 2010. Sato nearly won the 2012 Indianapolis 500 for Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing, but crashed while attempting to make the race-winning pass over Dario Franchitti on the final lap. Although he moved on to A.J. Foyt Racing in 2013, he remained friends with team owners Bobby Rahal, David Letterman, and Michael Lanigan. In just his third race with Foyt's team, Sato became the first driver from Japan to ever win an IndyCar race when he won the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach. In 2017, Sato had moved over to Andretti Autosport and became the first driver from Japan to win the Indianapolis 500, finishing first after a thrilling battle with three-time Indy 500 winner Elio Castroneves. Sato returned to Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing in 2018. Since his return, he has won at Portland in 2018, Barber Motorsports Park and Gateway in 2019, and claimed his second Indy 500 win on August 23 of last season. Here's my interview with Sato from the Borg Warner Trophy unveiling. We're pleased to be joined by two-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver Takuma Sato. On February 19th, you had your face unveiled on the Borg Warner Trophy for the second time in your career. You've been through the whole process, but to see it actually on the trophy, how cool is that to you? It's always a great honor uh, to be here and uh, feel just a tremendous joy as well as excitement. And, uh, you know, this is just a fantastic event, of course. With this pandemic situation, was a little different, you know, from the uh, uh, usual time. But um, no, 
It's nice to see everyone in here. You've won two Indianapolis 500 since 2017. It's like I've written about you before in the past. It seems like the older you get, the better you become. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, working, try to be working better all the time, of course, as everybody does. Um, but I think it's just a combination with uh, the team, performance, everything come all together. So uh, hopefully we can, we can uh, uh, continue this trend and get momentum for 2021 too. People are going to remember the 2020 Indianapolis 500 for a long time because it was the only time it was held in August and also the only time it was held without spectators. But in a lot of ways, it's, it was a historic race and you being able to win under those circumstances, it's going to be remembered for a long time. So how do you feel about all of the circumstances that came together? Uh, yeah, I think any wins, um, I really appreciate it. And of course, uh, 2020 without spectators, that was the one thing we're missing a big time. I think a big missing from the sport. But um, having said that, with that circumstance, we were so fortunate just only be able to the race because a lot of events has to cancel for other sport. So uh, I think uh, IMS and did an incredible job, Indica did an incredible job, and sponsors, commitment, and i um, happy for them. And, and for me in particular, selfishly, um, I was so happy to bring Bobby, Mike, and David and put on the, uh, the, the victory lane on that day. And that was like long, long waited, you know, especially since 2012. I feel I owe the win for them. And, um, you know, it took eight years, but um, I was so happy uh, that the entire team did just amazing job. The two fastest cars in the race were obviously yours and Scott Dixon. Scott led the most laps. You had the fastest car in the track position when it mattered the most at the end of the race. How much of a strategic race was it for you in those closing laps? Because you knew that you had to be up out front because you were the faster of the two cars at that point. Yeah, we knew we had a tremendously uh, a strong car during the race configuration as well as, uh, you know, we might arguing, yes, who has got the fastest car, we just don't know. In qualification, yeah, we were third. But I know the Dixie is always strong in the traffic as well as he had to physically have a fast car. So how are we going to beat him? And it has to has cooperate with the conditions and and try to tune it for the for the for the final crossing race where of course everybody does the same job but um, specifically I work on that in concert rate on that part in particular for the last two stint and uh, everything come together so um, I um, really appreciate all the boys did a fantastic pit stop there's no mistake and uh, my engineer Eddie Jones and uh, uh, what an amazing uh, car he built and uh, I was just so so proud of him over the last 20 years there's been drivers that have raced at the indianapolis 500 that seem to have a certain knack for this track whether it be elio castroneves with his three victories dario franchiti with his three victories juan pablo montoya always did very well here do you believe that takuma sato now fits into that category of there's just something about this speedway that clicks with you <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> I mean, only times tell. Um, the one certain thing is just I love this place and um, I love to continue the challenge. And um, I've been in the, uh, a very uh, uh, a competitive, great package altogether. So um, there is no reason why we cannot be. And uh, hopefully uh, we will see in some good surprise. Heading into 2021, you're back with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Uh, once again, racing with your teammate, Graham Ray Hall. What are your prospects for the upcoming season? 
Absolutely, we were so pumped up. You know, the Graham, um, obviously, you know, we're finishing first and third in, in the 500 hours. Amazing uh, effort from the team, of course. But not only for that, you know, entire season, we tried to be a lot of stuff and uh, we were competitive. And Graham is obviously well known as uh, he's also, you know, very competitive, never give up as well. So, uh, you know, we will continue to work together raise the whole level of the team and once again and hopefully 2021 we will go back to a, a normal-ish racing weekend again and uh, hopefully we have a spectators. What has the off-season been like for Takuma Sato? As it was a crazy as a 17, of course, um, there was a little less uh, physical event due to obviously COVID-19 situation. But other than that, um, it was like so busy every single day after and after. And uh, But it was only showing a great support from them. So uh, I really appreciate all the fans and sponsors and whoever really make this happen. And uh, now we come back in States and uh, do, let's do the, another business. There's been some changes over on your team. I believe Eddie Jones is no longer the engineer. What's it going to be like working with a new engineer? Yeah, so it's a, it's a fresh air, I think. You know, Eddie has been always uh, loyal and great for the team. But uh, even three years ago, it was a plan that he was going to retire anyway. But we were able to, 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 to manage to, you know, to be together for the last three seasons. It was just amazing. And uh, wishing Eddie for the, uh, uh, great for the second <laughs> life. But he's still somewhat, he's still involving with, uh, with the team, and which is very happy. And of course, I've got Matt, a new engineer. Uh, another English guy, actually. And um, we'll see. We, we, we're getting knowing each other day by day, uh, but we actually haven't go racing together yet. So we don't know yet. But obviously, I've got a great feeling and uh, the team is a full support of that. So I'm sure Matt will be uh, melting into um, to the team very quickly. 2020 was your best complete season. Now you head into 2021 with a legitimate shot of contending for the championship. How important is that to you? It is very important to carry uh, this momentum as well as I'm very excited as well. So uh, everything is uh, in, in, in a good place. Now it's a matter of the, how we manage the things and, and hopefully we can have another even better season. It's February 19th. Snow's on the ground here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but it's got to be a very heartwarming day for you because of the unveiling of your face on the Borg Warner Trophy. Your first victory was with Andretti Autosport in 2017. How different do the two faces look to you? <laughs> um, this one is a little bit more shinier. <laughs> I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think a smile was better, I believe. Uh, no, there is no offense that, you know, 17 was a still fresh and, and, and uh, I had a great memory too. But uh, two faces, um, I just can't believe I'm such a, such a uh, fortunate to be in this situation. So uh, hopefully we have another uh, big smile on it. As fellow driver Ryan Hunter Ray once said, the Indianapolis 500 is a gift that keeps on giving. You've had the ability to experience that twice. How fortunate do you feel to be a multiple winner of the world's greatest race. I, I just really appreciate really everybody's support. And uh, like, uh, like you said, yes, I'm really, really fortunate to be in this situation and um, be part of the organization. I, I'm proud of this too. So, uh, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see how, where we takes us. But, um, you know, obviously today is a special day for me as well as a team. And uh, I can see the fans and everybody enjoying. So that's the most important thing. Two-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver Takuma Sato, congratulations on your latest Indianapolis 500 victory and on having your face unveiled once again on the Borg Warner Trophy. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you.
Next up on Pit Pass IndyCar is Sato's team owner, Bobby Rahal, himself a true driving legend of IndyCar racing. Rahal is a three-time kart series champion. He won 24 races in his driving career, the biggest of which was the 1986 Indianapolis 500 when he won a thrilling battle with Kevin Kogan and Rick Mears to win the Indy 500 that year for team owner Jim Truman, who ironically was in the final days of his life as he was suffering from cancer. He was able to take Truman to victory lane that day giving him his lifelong dream. The next week, Truman succumbed to cancer, but it will always go down as one of the more dramatic victory lanes in Indianapolis 500 history. Sato's victory in last year's Indianapolis 500 was also Ray Hall's second Indy 500 win as a team owner. His first came with Buddy Rice in the 2004 Indy 500. So let's hear from today's legend, Bobby Ray Hall. Joining us now is 1986 Indianapolis 500 winner Bobby Rahal, who also is a two-time Indianapolis 500 winning team owner. Uh, Most recently with Takuma Sato last August, here we are back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on February 19th. They unveiled Takuma's second face on the Borg Warner Trophy. It's got to be a very proud moment for you. Extremely. Uh, Very pleased, very happy for Takuma, obviously. Very pleased for our team. Uh, we've, we worked hard over the last, uh, you know, since we came back in full time in 2012, um, you know, and with Takuma, actually, uh, to, to become so close to winning the race in 12 with Takuma. And then uh, uh, and then for him to go away, then come back to us, and then, of course, us uh, win and finish third, you know, two years ago. So um, uh, just really happy for the team, for the guys, and everybody that worked so hard. And, of course, Takuma just did a super job last year, and, you uh, just in both qualifying, being on the front row, and then, of course, in the race. So just couldn't be happier. When you reflect back on last year's Indianapolis 500, it was a race where he had arguably the fastest car in the race. Scott Dixon led the most laps. If those two cars were going to be judged on speed, they'd be 1-1A, one one in many believes. Takuma was able to have the speed at the very end when he really needed it, but he was fast all day. Was that probably the smartest race you've ever seen him drive? Uh, you know, hard to say because uh, I think he drove very well in um, in 17. Um, but it was just one of those races that he really ran at the front for most of the race. He might not have led, but he was P2, P3. You know, at one point I think he dropped back to like P6 but didn't stay there long. So, you know, he's able to stay out of trouble. He's able to run up front. And, uh, you know, and I think the car, uh, he and his engineer, Eddie Jones, just did a super job getting the car to be reactive to changes. And, and you know, we got lucky when Rossi hit us that, uh, that we didn't uh, bend anything. But uh, aside from that, it was really, really a trouble-free race. And, uh, and that's what you have to have to win this race. What's it like when you look at that trophy and see your face and then two guys that uh, you employ their faces, Buddy Rice in 2004 and Takuma Sato last year? Is it almost kind of like a fatherly uh, feeling that you get in some ways? Well, I don't know about fatherly, but clearly, um, you know, um, racing has been my life. And um, uh, and here I am. Still at it, you know, in a different role than I had, was for many years. And but the level of enjoyment and the level of satisfaction that comes with it is, is no less. And I just feel very fortunate that I'm able to um, to 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 uh, be where I am. And so uh, to see Buddy and see Takuma on there, um, it's nice to know that we um, 
helped those guys achieve something that that is really like a dream. And you know, for Buddy, very pleased. Obviously, Tacoma, and uh, and you know, who, who knows how many other drivers will be able to put their heads on, on that trophy too. And that's certainly, you know, a goal of mine is I don't think I can catch up to Roger in terms of team victories, but we're going to try like hell. Speaking of fatherly, though, there is one more face you'd like to see added onto that trophy, and that is your son Graham, who is also your driver. Finished third in last year's Indianapolis 500. He's sometimes a, a real threat to win that race. How far do you see him away from being able to finally break through and get that victory for you? Well, yeah, like you say, I mean, last year we were close with with Graham. Um, the year before, very close, and he got involved in an incident, uh, which was unfortunate but uh, I think clearly uh, he, he's had the pace in this race and so um, again that everything has to click and uh, he and his team have to do their job and and uh, and um, but you know as we continue to do everything we can to improve the team then everybody within that organization can benefit from it and certainly he can so you know this may if he said uh, would he have a, a good chance to win the race I'd say I'd probably as good as any and so uh, that's from my standpoint that's that's my goal is to give our drivers the best opportunity to win and, and then you know then come race day it's up to them 16 years difference between your first Indy 500 victory as a team owner with Buddy Rice and last August victory with Takuma Sato how much was the feeling different well, last year, completely different because there was nobody in the grandstands, you know, uh, very odd feeling. Um, you know, we, uh, we, um, you know, felt really, I felt it was just a strange, you know, it was still the Indy 500. It was still a great race. And it was just, but it was just so unfortunate that nobody could really experience it and from a, in a popular way. And um, so for, for me, for all of us in the series, it was just kind of like a, it was like the twilight zone, you know, I mean, it was just, uh, and yet it was still a great race as good as any that they've had. So, um, you know, um, hopefully this year we won't, we'll get back to the normal or close to normal and, and uh, hopefully we can win, a, win another race in front of everybody. We'll be catching up with you from time to time this season, but uh, as we enter the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series season, congratulations on winning the 104th Indianapolis 500, and good luck in 2021, Bobby Rahal. Thank you, sir. Rahal Letterman Landing and Racing is also co-owned by former TV talk show host David Letterman and Southside Chicago industrialist Michael Lanigan, a very interesting man in himself. The man owns the Panama Canal Railroad. There's not many people that you can say own an entire railroad themselves, but Michael Lanigan does. His company also owns heavy equipment, heavy machinery, cranes, a lot of Lanigan's Cranes have built some of the largest structures, skyscrapers in some of the biggest cities in the United States. But he's also a very interesting man. And here's our interview also from February 19th with Michael Lanigan, who won his first Indianapolis 500 as a team owner last August with Takuma Sato. And now we're going to talk to an old friend of the show. It's team owner Michael Lanigan, who on February 19th was able to take part in a very special event at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as Takuma Sato's face was added to the Borg Warner Trophy for a second time. But it's your first Indy 500 victory as a team owner. I know this has been a lifelong dream for you. How does it feel to see all this come together? Well, it is. It definitely is a life lifetime dream. And, uh, you know, there's times over the years, the last 28 years, I thought it would never come. But... We, you know, we never gave up, and thanks to 
Takuma's driving skill and the team did a great job, and, and uh, I'm savoring the moment until the next 500. And also the fact that it came under very unusual circumstances. So far, the only Indianapolis 500 to be held outside of the month of May. It was held in August of last year. But I know that you've worked your whole life for that. You also have a very special bond with Takuma Sato. What is it about him and you that you're so close? Well, I think we both have a lot of respect for each other. And, um, you know, Takuma, uh, we almost won in 012 with Takuma when he was trying to pass Dario Franchetti. And, uh, um, and I've never blamed him for that, quite frankly, because, you know, that's what you on the last lap. You, you know, there's no rules on the last lap, obviously. And uh, it was a thrill to get him back. And, and um, you know, the last two years, he's coming third and first. And, you know, he's just a classy young man with a lot of skill and um, just a great guy. When he returned to Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, his dream, his goal, his mission was to take, as he says, my boys to the Indy 500 that he believes that he threw away in 2012. To see that kind of determination in Takuma Sato, I mean, what does that say about the guy? Well, first of all, I don't think he threw it away. I mean, uh, I, I don't think anybody on the team ever blamed him for, for trying to win, the, win it, win it. Was it a mistake? That's out of my league. But um, um, it tells you what kind of person he is, though, and that uh, he felt very bad about crashing at the end. And it certainly was the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. You know, one moment you think you're going to win it, the next moment you're in the wall. And uh, But, you know, that's racing. That's what it's all about. I mean, you know, you go for the gusto, and, you, you, you know, nobody remembers who came in second. So I, I was proud of him that day, and I was a lot prouder of him this past August, so I'll tell you that. And for a lot of our listeners that are just being introduced to you, uh, your uh, Indianapolis 500 mission began here in, I believe, what, 1973? Or, or how did it all begin for you? I moved down here when I was uh, 20 years old and um, started a, a crane dis- distribution company. And the uh, first day I was at the track for a practice, I got the IV stuck in me, and, and it's been this will be my 48th coming coming uh, this May and um, 28th competitively. And it's just something that gets in your blood. I mean, uh, this track is nothing but history and phenomenal history. And it's the big, the big enchilada. Um, you know, if you win this one, you know, you've, you've, you've made it. And it is a bucket list. And it's something that uh, will stay with me for the rest of my life. And how did you get involved in IndyCar racing? I know that in the cart years you were involved as a sponsor with my Jack, but eventually turned in team ownership. If you could bring us how that whole process began for you. I started as a sponsor for uh, Dale Coin Racing in 92. And uh, we had the left side pod for the 500 and the right cockpit. Uh, with Eric Bachelard, and uh, unfortunately, we were running a Buick stock block, and the car lasted about seven laps. But um, uh, so we we stayed with Dale for four, uh, five or five years probably, and then uh, Eric Bachelard and I teamed up to start an uh, Atlantic team. Then we went to Champ Car, and then uh, IRL. Uh, and then uh, evolved into Newman Haas with Paul Newman and Carl Haas. And, and then about 11 years ago, we, uh, we got together with Bobby Rail. You have an extremely interesting story of a lot of close friends. You were one of the executors for the great Walter Payton of the Chicago Bears, which many of us consider the greatest 
NFL player of all time. You were also close friends with Paul Newman. It, it almost seems like you're the close friends with so many of the stars. Your partner on the team is 1986 Indy 500 winner Bobby Rail and TV's David Letterman. So how does a guy from the south suburbs of Chicago get to be so influential with so many famous people? Well, I, I, each each individual scenario was different, but um, uh, I'm a very lucky man. I mean, I got to know Walter when he was playing. And if you talk to if Walter was alive today, he would tell you he was, we we started uh, a company together in uh, in the early '90s that became very successful. And uh, you know, with Paul Newman, uh, Paul and Carl asked me if I wanted to come on board and um, uh, work with them. And of course, uh, Paul Newman is the salt of the earth and just a wonderful gentleman. Very fortunate to have known him. And and you know, David's David's nothing but a classy individual that. Uh, that's a great guy to know, and and uh, but you know they all, they're all uh, they all had one thing in common. They're all normal people. They put their pants on one one leg at a time, and those are the kind of people that I like to deal with. And off the track, you own one of the largest heavy industrial uh, equipment companies in probably the world. You're also the owner of the Panama Canal Railroad. How do you become the owner of an entire railroad? All you need is money, <laughs> but we uh, actually won the franchise and. Uh, 1992 went out for bids, and they were privatizing a lot of the um, transportation companies down in South America. And we were fortunate enough to to win the concession, and um, it's it's a wonderful project that uh, never in my life did I ever think we that we would the family would own a, a a railroad. But it's a it's the shortest intercontinental it's the only intercontinental railroad in the world. And your heavy equipment, your cranes have built some of the largest structures probably in North America. What are some of the more famous ones that your company's been part of? Um, Jesus, just about everything, quite frankly. Um, you know, whether it be dams or or uh, uh, high-rise buildings or um, bridges. Uh, we're in the process of building the, uh, using our equipment for the Gordy Howe Bridge that's yeah. connecting Detroit with um with uh, Windsor, I believe. I mean, it's, uh, you know, one good thing about construction, they normally need cranes, and we, we have, we're very fortunate that uh, we're pretty good at it. And wrapping up here with Indianapolis 500 winning co-team owner Michael Lanigan, the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series season is upon us. It's going to get a little bit later start than originally intended, but what is the outlook for your Rahal Letterman Lanigan this year? You've got to really feel like you've got a great shot to challenge for more victories on a championship and another Indy 500. Well, I know we, I know we have a great engine program with Honda. We have, we have a great team members. I mean, we've, we've really brought in the best of the best over the last three years and our guys as far as the Indianapolis Motor Speedway the, 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 you know we excel here you know last year a first and a third I can't think of another team that's done that recently but you know we're always striving to be the best that's what Bob has in common with David and myself we just want to win and you've got to have the right people you got to have the right drivers you got to have the right equipment and you need a little luck Congratulations on achieving your lifelong dream last August and winning the Indianapolis 500. And as a fellow driver, Ryan Hunter Ray once said, when you win the Indy 500, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So enjoy all the gifts that come with it. And thank you for joining us today, Michael Lanigan. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. 
for good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. The Borg Warner Trophy is one of the most iconic and famous trophies in all of the world. It's right up there with the Stanley Cup in terms of when people see that trophy, they instantly know that it is the Indianapolis 500. It's been awarded since the mid-1930s. And our next guest is Michelle Collins, the Global Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Borg Warner, who fills us in a little bit on the trophy and what it means to her company to have such a long-standing relationship with one of the greatest sporting events in the world. Joining us now is Borg Warner Director of Global Marketing, Michelle Collins. We're at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on February 19th, where Takuma Sato had his face unveiled on the Borg Warner Trophy for the second time. I know that's very special to you because under your tenure, he becomes the first multi-winner of the Indy 500. To see a guy as popular as Takuma, to be able to be back on the Borg Warner Trophy, I know there's some challenges. I have real good friends with your sculptor, William Barons, to try to get the faces different from year to year. I know there was a lot of thought that went into it. You know, what was it like to go through the whole process and to give a guy who loves this place as much as Takuma Sato a chance to be immortalized on the Borg Warner Trophy? It's always amazing. And even if it's a multi-year winner, the excitement and the adrenaline of it never changes. A lot of people think if it's somebody who's won once before and, you know, they win a few years later that we would just use the same face. That's not the case. It could be even a back-to-back winner and we would still do what we do. Um, It's an important part of what we want to gift the driver, that experience. I don't think they ever get tired of that, um, even if they've done it before. And we want to be able to do that. Um, And so it it would not change anything come uh, pandemic or anything else. We would still try to make it happen. 
And if you look at the faces of the multi-winners on the Borg Warner Trophy, the four-time winners and the three-time winners, their faces look a little different each time. You look at Dario Franchitti, when he won in 2007, he had a very short haircut. His last two victories in 2010 and 2012, his hair was much longer. When you see the level of detail and skill that William Barron's is able to put into what he does, how amazed are you at what he's able to do as an artist? Will is, I I don't even have the words to describe him. Not only is he a genuinely nice person, but his artistry is absolutely fascinating. And like you said, just the level of detail that he's able to capture. And even if it's only been a a few years in between wins, you know, we see ourselves in the mirror every day. We don't see that we're aging. We we think we look the same. But, um, you know, there are changes and he is able to capture that. Um, He is just absolutely amazing. Like I said, I I can't say enough about him just as a person and also as an artist. With Borg Warner being an international company that is all over the world, how much attention does the trophy in the Indianapolis 500 get whenever you travel around the globe and meet with other Borg Warner companies Mm -hmm. in other countries? Yeah, that is such an exciting time for our employees. Uh, the trophy hasn't left the U.S. that often, but it has made, you know, its debut in, in France and in Japan and in England. But, um, you know, when we took the trophy to Japan the last time Takuma won, the colleagues there were so excited. And even when he won this year, I was texting with a few of them at whatever time of day it was. You know, they were watching it on TV. They're just so proud. Um, and it's neat to really have drivers from all over the world because, Typically, they're from locations where where we also have plants. So uh, there's a lot of pride around it. And Borg Warner is also involved with the NTT IndyCar Series as the turbocharger uh, supplier. And every car in the starting field has Borg Warner turbos on it. How important of a project is that to be involved with? That's really exciting as well. Of course, the people who work on that product and uh, are involved with the race teams really take pride in that work. Um, and it's something that we're excited to do in in a complement to the trophy. And as far, though, as uh, no matter what time of the year when you come to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's a special time. I know during the offseason, the unveiling of the Borg Warner Trophy, the latest winner's face on there has always been greatly anticipated. How favorite of a moment is that for you? It's awesome. I enjoy doing it. Um, it's something I never thought that I would have the ability to be able to do or, or the honor to do. So I really do not take that um, lightly. And uh, I, I'm just so proud to be a part of it on behalf of Borg Warner. Looking ahead to 2021, the Indianapolis 500, to be able to have the opportunity to have spectators return after the race was held last year without spectators. How special is that going to be? Because I'm sure you really missed the buzz and the excitement that the the crowd really brings to this event. It's such an important part of the day. Just the excitement, like you said, from the crowd, it it really builds kind of the air of emotion and the ambiance and and really kind of the adrenaline rush of the day. I am very hopeful, along with the track, that they're able to have spectators, um, you know, and do so in in a safe way. But I think everybody is really anticipating um, just being able to come back here, see the race, some sense of normalcy, um, and just really looking forward to that. And I'm sure the one thing that you missed last year was the tradition of bringing the trophy 
the morning of the race out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum, taking it on the lap around and then delivering it at the Yard of Bricks. Weren't able to do that last year. Hopefully we'll get to do that again in 2021. But just to have all that history and tradition of something where your company's been involved with it since the mid-30s, how much did you miss that last year? I missed that a lot. Of course, it was very exciting to be one of the few that were able to come to the race. But that processional into the track is, is such a important part of the day. Um, and I was sad to not be able to do that. But we're hopeful for this year. Michelle Collins, Vice President, Global Marketing of Borg Warner. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Our final interview on today's show is with Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles, who talks about how challenging 2020 was trying to operate the facility during the COVID-19 pandemic, which meant that last year's Indianapolis 500 and the Brickyard 400 NASCAR weekend was held without spectators. Of course, that's very challenging for any professional sports and collegiate sports entity. According to Bowles, The attendance figure for this year's Indianapolis 500 has not been determined yet how many spectators will be allowed in. They are hopeful to be able to let a large crowd in. But, of course, that's going to depend on the local uh, state government of Indiana and also Marion County health officials and the mayor of Indianapolis. Here's our interview with Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles. Joining us now is Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles. Doug, February 19th marked 100 days from the 150 Indianapolis 500. It's always a busy time of the year in your position. How much busier does it get from this point forward? Well, it gets a lot busier, and hopefully this year it continues to get busier. Obviously, we're dealing with the the back end of this pandemic, we hope, and that things are going to get much better. But we're just really focused on getting the venue ready for fans here in May and see if we can have a more normal 105th running in Indianapolis 500 than we did for the 104th. You kicked off the 100 days out with Takuma Sato's face being unveiled for the second time on the Borg Warner Trophy after his impressive victory in last August, 104th Indianapolis 500. Hopefully it'll be the only time the Indy 500 is held in August. But what's it like when you get to see a two-time winner's face added to the trophy? Well, it's always fun to see the drivers when their face is presented to them and they get to see how it looks. They've gone through the whole process to get it sculpted and they kind of have an idea. But when they see it on that Borg, you can see it in their eyes. It's just something different about it. And obviously, Takuma's gone through that in 2017. But I was looking forward to seeing how excited he was to see the second one and compare the two. And it's always fun to have a two-time winner uh, or a multiple winner here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And there really hasn't been a better champion than Takuma. He's been fantastic to work with. He loves the Speedway. He's been a lot of fun to help us promote uh, the 105th coming up. So we're looking forward to continuing to work with him and uh, certainly a, a very passionate champion about this event. A year ago at this time, it was going to be a new dawn for the Indy 500. Roger Penske's ownership, Penske Corporation taking over ownership of the track and of the IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis 500. Three weeks later, the world changed. And ever since then, it's been meeting one challenge after another. How challenging has it been in your role? And do you almost feel like it's been Groundhog Day for you? It does feel like Groundhog Day for sure. I guess, you know, I feel sorry for Roger because he hasn't gotten to experience the Indianapolis Motor Speedway away from the ownership side and really going through it in a different way than he's done for the 50, roughly 50 years he's been here. But I also say it's good news that Roger Penske was at the helm through the last year because he's really allowed us to continue to move forward. The IndyCar series with the help of Jay Fry and frankly, with the help of all the teams with Roger's leadership, we got through a fantastic season last year. So I think a lot of those things 
you know, maybe it wasn't the best time for Roger Penske to purchase the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but for fans and teams and a lot of us, it was the right time for him to purchase it. So we're thankful for that. And now I'm just looking forward to being able to open the gates and let him see what it's like when 300,000 plus people are in here. With May being a couple of months off and with the vaccination schedule as it is, we really don't know yet for sure what the size of the crowd will be. I've uh, had a couple of interviews with Penske Corporation President Bud Danker, who says all different scenarios are being looked at. How many times do you go over those scenarios, add to, subtract, figure them out? Well, every day. I mean, it's just that's the hardest part of this is it is just continuing to try and guess, predict where things might be. One good thing about last year was we went through so many different scenarios. We've got a pretty good baseline depending on what uh, the pandemic tries to throw at us in May. But we're real we're still really hopeful that that May this year can be more like a normal year than not. And like I said earlier, I mean, it's as the as the as the place as we get a little bit later into May and as we get uh, the the uh, vaccines out, as we begin to see the numbers come down, we are really, really hopeful that we'll have a good May and a May with fans. Is the one thing that is so difficult in your position and Roger's position is so the court of public opinion, for instance, the Daytona 500 was held 30,000 fans turn on ABC World News tonight on Monday and they just lambasted it for having that many spectators at a sporting event. It was all done safely. It was all done with precautions. But is that kind of the one thing that you kind of look at? And it's just like we're doing the best we can here. Well, I don't know that we're looking at what uh, outsiders say. I mean, what we're doing is we're working with the local yeah. health authorities and we're trying to do everything we can to put in plans in place that keep our, our spectators and our teams and our participants safe when they come here to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the 500. So it's really not about the public opinion. It's really about what uh, is the best way to keep people safe. And, and when we make a decision, it will be the decision that we believe is the right one, giving all the external circumstances related to the pandemic when we get to May. How are you handling ticket sales at this point? since the actual crowd size hasn't been determined yet? Well, if people want to buy tickets, they still can. We obviously aren't out promoting that really heavily till we know where, where things stand. But most people that had purchased tickets prior to March of last year just renewed those tickets and just took a credit and they're ready to go. So if we were to have the race today, we're still 180,000 plus people probably show up for the Indy 500. So the challenge for us going to 30,000 like Daytona has done is how do you pick those 30,000? So we're taking our time and we're trying to be really hopeful that we don't have to worry about that and we can have as many fans as want to be here in May. When you look at the step-by-step systematic things that were done last year to have as many races as you did at the Speedway and to even welcome spectators back with the Harvest GP that was held in October, how satisfying was that when you were able to open the gates and let fans in last October? Well, it was pretty satisfying, especially when Roger got to open the gates to let people come in through gate one and see him interact with those fans. It was one of the highlights of the year, honestly. And it was fun to have fans here. And there were a lot of really hardcore fans that were just excited to be at the Speedway. And in a lot of ways, you know, it was, it was frustrating that we didn't get to have those fans in August when we actually got to run the Indianapolis 500. The Indianapolis 500 is what makes this place special. And that's the one race that uh, if you were picking one a year that you could have fans, that's the one you want to have fans to. So even though we had folks here in October, which was nice, it still wasn't as good as if we could have had fans in August. I guess if you're looking for silver linings, one of them was it gave you time to do the physical upgrades that Roger had wanted to do without working around uh, getting ready and being in a rush to to have the race in May. Obviously, you would have rather had it go off as, as planned, but how important was that to kind of get the construction aspect of it finished, and how much more new construction might we see? Well, first of all, I mean, we all know we couldn't have gotten through this last year as a, as a country without thinking about silver linings. If you just st- focus on the challenge you 
you had, you wouldn't get there. So those silver linings and opportunities that we've had uh, really have helped us, uh, I think, get through it. The changes that that folks will see when they get here, a lot of them they didn't even when we were open in October get a chance to see a lot of the things, especially the big board and the infield, some of the boards on the exterior. So a lot of this stuff will still be new to customers when they come through. And then we're continuing to do do some work. We're doing a lot of work on the golf course right now, continue to get some things done. But I think people will definitely notice a difference when they come in the venue for the for the first time since uh, ni- uh, 2019. Last August, there's an opening out on 16th Street where fans can look in and see the boards, and there's a gap between some of the grandstands so they can hear the cars go by, maybe see the top of the helmets, and see the action on the video screen. My guess is, what, 1,000, 2,000 people were there on race day, and you went out and joined them. What was that like to see that there are so many people who love this thing that even when they can't get inside the gates, they still show up? It says a lot about the event itself. The Indianapolis 500 is really more than just the race. It's about all those interactions you have with friends and family, and it's the tradition of coming every year for the Indy 500. And for a lot of our fans, even in May when we didn't have any cars on track, they showed up on Memorial Day Sunday. And then certainly in August, a lot of those folks showed up, and they just wanted to be around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and be able to hear the cars and be able to uh, just show their support for what we were going through. So it was a lot of fun to be able to interact with. 2021 NTT IndyCar Series, you're going to have three IndyCar races at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. How important is that going to be? Because the third race of the schedule is going to be the IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader in August. I'm really excited about that. We got to have it last year with the Xfinity cars on the road course and IndyCar on the road course and then Cup on the oval. This year, we're going to do all three of them on the on the road course. I can't wait for fans to see that. I think that the Xfinity and Cup race are going to be fantastic and obviously the IndyCar race we love here. So I'm excited for that. It's a new event. I think it's one our fans will really enjoy and I think it'll it'll help introduce some NASCAR fans to the NTT IndyCar series and, and some of those NTT IndyCar series fans will get introduced to NASCAR and hopefully we just create more race fans. And also after 25, 26, 27 years, the NASCAR Brickyard weekend is going to be the the Cup Series is going to be taken off the oval, put on the road courses. We saw in the Xfinity Series race last July, you get those late race restarts and it's a free for all. So obviously you're probably expecting the same type of action when the Cup cars get out there. Maybe even a little bit more knock 'em sock 'em robots. Yeah, I, I think so. The Xfinity race, especially the end of the Xfinity race here last year, was really really exciting on the road course. The Cup race uh, that they had in that they had in Daytona earlier this year uh, was exciting. I think it'll be exciting here as well. A little bittersweet. I love the oval, and the oval is is the is the thing that we're known for. But I think that weekend with all three of those series running on the road course is going to be a fantastic weekend. I can't wait to see uh, who gets to say they're the first cup winner on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And wrapping up here with Doug Bowles, the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the unveiling of the previous Indy 500 winner's face on the Borg Warner Trophy is always something that a lot of people look forward to it. Usually happens in December, but because of the the pandemic, it's been moved around. It happened on February nineteenth this year. How important of a role is that for you to be a part of, and also to continue the long history of involvement that Borg Warner has had with the Indianapolis five hundred? Well, so much of what makes the Indy five hundred special are the traditions that surround the Indy five hundred. Obviously, one of them is that relationship with Borg Warner and that trophy that that's uh, eighty plus years old right now. And then getting an opportunity to see that driver when he's gets to see or see she gets to see a, the, their face 
on that Borg Warner is is really really important, and it also reminds you that the next race is just around the corner. So it is one of those one of those moments every year that we all look forward to because it just means there's another Indy 500 coming. We can't wait to see who gets to gets to have their face on it next. Now I know you don't get to sleep much in May, but are, have you been able to sleep much in the winter? Or are you kind of like a a bear when it hibernates? You try to store up your sleep because you know that come May you're not going to get that much. Well, I work for Roger Penske now, who doesn't sleep, so you you plan on trying to stay awake as much as possible and get a lot of work done. And I've I've done some volunteer assistant swim coaching this year, so my evenings have been filled with time around the swimming pool. And uh, I've just been trying to stay, stay real busy. Sleep is uh, sleep's okay, but uh, right now I'm just we got too much energy here. And like I said, Roger Penske not a big sleeper, so the rest of us that work for him aren't either. Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that puts a checkered flag on the inaugural episode of Pit Pass IndyCar. We want to thank all of our guests for today, including Takuma Sato, Bobby Rahal, Michael Lanigan, Michelle Collins, and Doug Bowles. Additional thanks to Borg Warner's Michelle Collins and Steve Schunk, as well as Indianapolis Motor Speedway President Doug Bowles and the public relations staff, including Alex Dameron and Susie Elliott, and IndyCar Vice President of Communications Dave First for providing us the opportunity to cover that event and record the interviews for today's show. We have plenty of interviews coming up on future episodes, such as Scott Dixon, the six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, and also NTT IndyCar Series rookie driver Jimmy Johnson. You might have heard of him. He is a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. To hear those episodes, subscribe to Pit Pass IndyCar on your favorite podcast app. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Thank you for joining us today. Keep up with the latest IndyCar news by following me on Twitter at Bruce Martin underscore 500 and speedsport.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.